Hello and welcome to another episode of Bad Take Blake. I am your host, Davis, joined once again by my co-host, Drew. It is Monday, July 17th. We are less than 50 days away from the start of football season. Week zero, Vanderbilt and Hawaii coming at you soon. And this is the Tennessee episode, everybody. The long-awaited or dreaded, depends who you are. Long-awaited. It's a thing of glory. It is a thing of glory. Drew, are you looking at the outline? We are going to scratch the first thing under the info, under the intro, because I'm still waiting for something. But, you know, Bad Take Blake has been, mutually it's been our project, but it was something that really started from Captain's Log on my Snapchat story. Uh, Which I always loved. Yeah, you were one of the original listeners. You interacted every week. You listened to my gambling picks. We are going to do something similar to that, either on Instagram Live or I'm leaning a lot more towards Twitter Spaces, 10 a.m. every Saturday, except for one where I have a wedding, but I still plan on doing it from Birmingham, Alabama, the armpit of America. And so 10 a.m. every Saturday, we'll be doing – 10 a.m. Central, we'll be doing a preview with our picks for the, for the day's slate. Everything from big noon kickoff to Pac-12 after dark. It's going to be a lot of recording. It's going to be a busy, busy, busy football season. I'm well, going to have that- to work and do this, which I would much rather do this than work. Hopefully this will be my work soon. Yeah, I, a boy can dream, right? But this will be an dream. interactive call-in show where we will take your opinions, your tweets, your whatever they do on Instagram, DMs. I'm, I'm executive decision. This is going to be on Twitter spaces. Well, I have the biggest following on there, the most interactive following. Actually, that, it, if you're listening to this and didn't at least listen to something of the Twitter space the other day, it was so good. Davis, to his credit, did an incredible job moderating. Everyone got to talk. Everyone got to not only give their point, but give their counterpoint to that point. And it, it just all around was was a it was a huge success. We really enjoyed it. We are toying with the idea of doing 30 minutes a day of Twitter spaces to basically to be a new version of the Paul Feinbaum show, but we're not censored by any sort of network. So you can say whatever you want. Treat it as within a means you will get kicked off if you say outrageous shit, but yeah, no slurs allowed. If you start saying slurs, you're going to get slurred right out of the, you might get hit with a block. I don't know. Yeah. But bad take Blake started as the captain's log and bad take Blake was really born from my hatred of Mike Bernardino. He was an AP writer, AP voter for Notre Dame, who constantly had Tennessee behind Alabama after Tennessee beat Alabama because, according to him, the model that he was using would have Tennessee as an underdog on a neutral field. Stupid, incredibly dumb to this day. But with the birth of college football means another round of AP voters for me to demonize and attack. So look for more bad takes to be coming fast and furious as we enter football season. But right now it's still July, and there is still a lot of hope among fans. We just put out episode 19, the delusional fan episode. If you haven't seen it yet, definitely go give it a listen. We have featured an Ole Miss fan who thinks Keyshawn Judkins is going to be a Heisman finalist and an Alabama fan who he didn't come across as as crazy in the episode, but I promise you he's just as crazy in real life. And with that being said, we are moving on today to the Tennessee episode. Well, guys, here we go. 
For those of you that don't know, I am a graduate of the University of Tennessee. I'm also a fan of the University of Tennessee. And we often say this is not a Tennessee podcast, but it's I not. Definitely like to clear. definitely like to talk about my team. And Tennessee has been the biggest story this past week since Friday, whenever the NCAA rolled out their sanctions against Tennessee. And it was a lot. It was a lot more than people think. It was not a slap on the wrist, but I, I do have them on my handy-dandy phone here to read off to you. 28 scholarship lost. I'm going out of order. 20, 28 scholarships are lost. They vacate every game from the 2019 and 2020 season. They lose 36 official viv- visits over the course of probation, at least four per season. And they will be down 28 total weeks of recruiting, communication, and in-person evaluation. On top of that, former coach Jeremy Pruba will receive a six-year show cause, as well as the recruiting director and the assistant recruiting director receiving five- and ten-year show causes, respectively. Brian Niedermeyer also received a show ban, and another former assistant coach received a two-year show cause. Now, The NCAA allowed for Tennessee self-imposed sanctions to offset some of this. So now for five years of probation remaining, they have 12 scholarships that they will be reduced, coming at a little more than two per season. And then they're hit with the largest fine ever levied at $8 million, plus a percentage fine of the football total revenue at 3%. Drew, you're not happy with this. You know, it's... And I've told you this before. And can just just real quick, because I didn't know either until I had to look it up. Can can we tell everyone what a show claw is, or what your definition of a show claw is? Show claws. Uh, claws. Yeah, it, it's different for different people. Usually, it means that you can't be, you can't do the position that you got your show cause banned for. In Pruitt's case, if he were to sign up for a defensive coordinator, he would be suspended for a year and would not be allowed to have any contact with the team, with recruiting, with the facilities. So, for instance, if if Saban had hired him at Alabama, he would not be on the sidelines this year. He would have a year off. And then after that, he wouldn't be allowed to do any form of recruiting for the next five years. So, back to your question, I'm salty for the same reason everybody else is salty, is because I have seen the short end of the stick by the, the NCAA, as has – we'll say 90% of the people who have ever, you know, I would say 99%. I mean, the NCAA, and if you'll, if you'll allow me a second, I'll let you air your grievances, but I, I, there's also a method to the madness with the NCAA and I can let you air your grievances first, or you can listen to me, explain it, your choice. I I, want to hear you explain it. And I want to be able to have a rebuttal. So about a year ago, the NCAA committee met and they came up with a new ruling, a new internal policy on how they were going to treat these cases. In the past, the NCAA has generally shied away from a bowl ban, any postseason ban, unless it was especially egregious. Tennessee got a ton of other shit thrown at them. It's really being underplayed how much the NCAA did throw at them, but under their new policy, they're trying to be more lenient against teams. And to me, This is speculation, but this is the NCAA trying to retain legitimacy as schools seem to quickly and often be pulling away from them. I think they're seeing the writing on the wall, and they're trying to keep some sort of governance while keeping people happy. Ultimately, it's a good thing for people that will be facing NCAA allegations in the future. But right now, it's helping Tennessee, and as you know, everyone hates Tennessee. Orange team, bad. 
what what the NCAA has done is to give a little history lesson. Whenever these allegations happened, Bev Davenport was the chancellor at UT. I don't know who the president was. I don't think it was Jimmy Cheeks. I think it was an interim president. But Randy Boyd, the current UT system president, was not the president. Philip Fulmer was the athletic director. Jeremy Pruitt was the head coach. Bev Davenport got fired. I, I think she was technically allowed to resign, but she more or less got fired. And Donde Plowman, I've met her. Yeah, I met her one time. Anyway, go on. Donde Plowman was able to come in, and she assessed the, the state of the athletic department and discovered we are in some deep shit. And Fulmer actually wanted to retain Pruitt, but Plowman made the decision, like, we got to get rid of him. We got to report these. This was they started an intern. The NCAA has said that Tennessee has been the model for cooperation throughout an investigation, and Tennessee self-imposed a lot of these sanctions before the NCAA gave their verdict, which is why they were allowed to come in and essentially time served. But so all of the people that were in charge have now been replaced. Fulmer was allowed to retire. I. I'll talk about Fulmer in a minute, but I I don't think he should have been allowed to retire. I think he should have been fired. Pruitt was fired, and at this point, it's a whole new school, a whole fresh group of people in charge. Nobody currently on the team was on the team whenever this stuff happened, or at least there might be people on the team, but there weren't people receiving improper benefits. New coaching staff, new chancellor, new president, new athletic director. And again, the silver – go ahead. Do you have any sympathy – for other teams and how other fans look at this and how other schools have, and we'll get into like real nitty gritty questions later, but in how other schools really in a, in a big sense had their futures and in a lot of senses had their past ruined because of really lesser crimes. Some would say, I would not say lesser crimes. It, it's a case by case basis. People look at the number of allegations and they're like, that's so many. But what it really boils down to is $60,000 in impermissible benefits that were very poorly hidden because the previous coaching staff was full of a bunch of fucking idiots. Do, do you but think, it, uh, it's a case It's a case by case basis. I feel no remorse for people like Louisville, where Rick Patino was hiring strippers and prostitutes for recruits. I do feel bad for teams like Ole Miss that had less improper benefits than Tennessee and essentially, you know, didn't receive the death penalty, but might as well have and are just now recovering from it. I feel bad for Oklahoma State, who had one level one infraction and was given a postseason ban. I don't feel bad for Memphis because, you know, they tried to cheat the admissions process by having someone take the ACT for Derrick Rose. Lori Laughlin, Aunt Becky, is literally in jail for trying to cheat the admissions process. I'm not going to have sympathy for you if Aunt Becky can't get away with it. Do you think if – and, and – you stated just a second ago that the the majority of this ruling was about what? Say, say it one more time. Was about sixty thousand dollars of impermissible okay. benefits. So, do you think that Tennessee would have gotten the same ruling if, let's say, half of the other stuff of the other infractions were never proven, didn't happen, or do you, you think mean, they would have gotten less? You mean if there wasn't this paper trail of stuff? This is a double-edged sword because I think if it were just the money and the whole paper trail wasn't there, they probably don't self-report. They probably don't cooperate, which means they get – I mean, they probably get the same, but they're not giving 
themselves a self-imposed restriction. So the future is bleaker, if that makes sense. I don't think they get a bowl ban because the NCAA has been shying away from bowl bans. And at that point, it's about how much can you prove. Pruitt and Moose, Brian, a.k.a. Brian Niedermeyer, who's now the coach at IMG Academy, head coach, one of the major preparatory academies for football players in the country. And basketball. and Well, any athlete. But they yeah. did an incredibly terrible job of covering their tracks. Niedermeyer was being interviewed by the NCAA, and they were asking, why do you have wads of cash on game day? And his answer was, I didn't want my parents to see my nightlife spending habits because we share a bank account. That is preposterous for a grown adult man making more than a quarter of a million dollars a year to give that answer. And you hear about things, Jeremy Pruitt, the, I've been laughing about it today. He was giving money for car payments, for hip surgery, for whatever. And his excuse was, well, I'm sitting here as a white man thinking about George Floyd. Which, to his defense, plays into the sympathy card of, of things. And I'm not even taking that away from him. Because I think that was a political point. I don't believe that was real. Well, you know, maybe it was or maybe it wasn't. I don't know if that's necessarily the point, but I do think that it's, it is an interest. And, and look, you know, who's to say he wasn't, th this was a very controversial and kind of a debacle of a time. So it, it just, it, it's not crazy for him to say that people kind of freaked out about that. And that gets into a whole political argument that we're not going to have, but well, I, just, I thought time, it was funny. I thought it was funny. I, I, I see I, I have some people think that I do. Some other points I want to hit, though. All these people are like, Tennessee cheated, Tennessee cheated. They should have been hit more. Without rehashing the, the absolute severity that they did get hit, the largest fine ever given by the NCAA for these kind of infractions. And you can shake your head no at that because ultimately we as fans don't see that, but it's a lot of money. We don't. It, yeah, we, it is. And 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 who's is, – is anyone missing meals? Well, is anyone at Tennessee missing – any meals from an eight million dollars? What is it? Six? It's eight million dollars plus million another dollar three, another three percent of the football budget. Which and is and, another, and how much is that going to affect y'all? I haven't done the math. Zero. That's how much it's going to affect y'all. It's a booster check away. This is what it this is, is what you're telling me, Drew. You don't care about punishing the team. You care about punishing the fans. The fans weren't the ones paying players. Jeremy Prude and staff was. Okay, fans and boosters are the same people, and I. Uh, I'm not. I mean, I, I do somewhere. donate to the University of Tennessee, but I'm not a there's booster a, like there's that. There's a there's a booster ban in here somewhere, Davis. You know there is. I'm not a. Yeah, I'm not that type I, of booster yet. I think, and and I'm not going to go in too deep on this, but I the reason I was so upset about this is because I had the greatness of my program ripped out from under me for. Whatever you want to say is your opinion, but this is mine. Way less than what y'all did. We, we faked an ACT test. So has a million people to get in a million different colleges. You guys deliberately disobeyed, deliberately played paid players when it was illegal, made way more infractions than we ever made. When Let we me ask you this, like Drew. That, and you guys are facing nothing. You, you, you gave up some bullshit wins and shitty seasons that you guys honestly probably didn't want to remember anyway. Let me ask you this, Drew. If you're so punishment, 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 are you going to punish Alabama and Georgia where Jeremy Pruitt said he learned it from? Are, and sure. I, I, I know this might be sure. a shock. 
I know, no, you're not. You're not gonna. You Let's point the finger. Out. Let's do it. If we're gonna, he, he, this is my problem, Davis. We, if we can either point the finger or we can't point the finger, and we're not necessarily pointing at y'all. You guys are facing nothing, and we That's, lost everything. We lost. You lost everything, everything because we you lost cheated. total legitimacy. Sixty k, sixty k is not. I mean, I don't think. I think we got hit too hard. I don't think 60K is worth vacating two years worth of wins, even if they were shitty years. I don't think it's an $8 million fine, which is the largest ever levied. I don't think it's 58 weeks of recruiting lost. Recruiting is like such a big deal, and people really underscore that. I under, And I don't mean any offense when I say this. I understand why you might underscore that being a Memphis fan, but you could have the seventh best recruiting class in the nation right now and still be only – not maybe not even be in the top five in the SEC with Texas and is, Oklahoma joining. Is but, it wrong for me to want you to hurt like I did? When, yes. When, when he did less. Why is that wrong? Because Jesus said wrong? to forgive Drew. We weren't the ones that levied that penalty. The Jesus NCAA also said that all sins are weighed equally. So I don't think you want to bring the Lord into this. Well, good thing. I'm going to tell you what I told people when I sat on my fraternity's judicial board. This isn't America. You don't have any rights. And ain't that? I think truth. that's everyone's grievance with the NCAA. And you made a point earlier that the NCAA is reading the writing on the wall. I think for a Tennessee fan, this is that. I think for everyone else in the country, they're like, oh, this is another reason why we need to get them the hell out of sports. No, I think this is everyone. This is an overreaction by everyone that wants to say orange team bad. Nobody was crying for Ole Miss when it happened. Because Ole Miss, I mean, at least Ole Miss, like, I, I can't. I hate to break this to you, Drew, but every team in the country from Alabama to New Mexico State is paying players and giving improper benefits, including Memphis. If you want to sit down and have an NCAA investigation probe into all 130-something-odd football programs, good luck. I mean, in, in just our basketball program, I mean, we're harassed by them every year. James Wiseman had his entire college career ruined because— Yeah, all three Penny, months of it. Penny paid his mom twelve grand four years before, three years before he was in college. And, and and he couldn't play because of that. And, and you think it's fair that you get what you get and we got what we did? I think Come it's – I mean, I think both are unfair. I think we both should have gotten nothing because paying players is literally legal right now. It's literally legal through NIL. I'm done talking about the sanctions. I do want to talk about a couple of things. Fulmer. I think Fulmer has completely tarnished his legacy. He, uh, he wanted to retain Jeremy Pruitt, and it was very obvious that whether it be what was going on behind the scenes with the, the recruiting stuff or what was going on on the field. It was very obvious that Pruitt should not have been retained. Fulmer was allowed to retire and keep his buyout. Fulmer's a snaky guy, and everyone Definitely. outside of Tennessee has known that forever. A lot of Tennessee fans have known that, but it was overlooked because he won the national title in 1998. It was overlooked because he was unfairly ousted in 2008 by the Haslam's, but – People forget about what Philip Fulmer did to Johnny Majors. And I'm not going to tell the story, but if you've never heard it, go get on your Google machine and figure it out. I, I completely agree with that. And and by the way, if you're not in our Twitter in our Twitter spaces, you really should get on because information like this is passed around regularly. And it is super informative and it really keeps you up with what everybody's talking about. 
that's a little plug, but it, either way, I, 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 that is something we can agree on. That That is something 100% we can agree on. Philip Fulmer. And, and I know some Alabama fans will also talk about him turning them in. Shockingly, I have no problem with Fulmer turning in Alabama for a multitude of reasons. Pruitt and Brian Niedermeyer, the two biggest idiots in the country. Pruitt given a six-year show cause. Some people want to say that that's too many years, especially since he hasn't been the head coach in two years now. But I don't feel bad for him. He's coaching at the New York Giants in the NFL, or at least he was. No one was going to hire him as a head coach again anyway. It was such a debacle. I don't see him getting a coaching job for at least six years. Yeah, well, this is the most Pruitt has been liked by the University of Tennessee since probably the last day of the first season he was at. He was in Knoxville. I don't think he was – probably since, like, that big recruiting class the summer before the COVID year where he proceeded to go three and seven. Was he was he y'all's coach when y'all beat UT chat in God, it was in, it was at the, the, the NASCAR stadium. No, we didn't beat, we didn't play chat at the NASCAR stadium. We played Virginia tech. That was Butch Jones. Okay. All right. Um, I'm, that I'm was thinking in, of a different game then. That was in 2016 too. Of that game, even though it was a shitty Virginia t- anyway. I mean, I don't think it was that great of a game. I oh. love Tennessee fans, I, I remember so vividly, and we won't go too deep into this, but Tennessee was back. They were what? back. I'm trying to remember if that was 2016 because I know we opened that year against App State. And then okay. we – So maybe it was the App State game that I'm talking about. It was the – It's like, like an the overtime win. Yeah, it was a huge win. I remember watching it like it was yesterday. I mean, it wasn't it – wasn't, it, it was a huge win because you start 1-0 and as the beginning of the season, but it wasn't like a huge win. It was a very – there's a slide. I, I want to keep moving the episode. I don't want to have do to it. edit an it. hour and a half of stuff. So, moving on, this is the Tennessee episode. We, we are going to move on and talk about 2023 Tennessee. As we know, 2022 Tennessee went. 11-2, and two, they beat Alabama for the first time in 15 years, a game I was at. They beat Florida for the first time in a couple of years. They beat Clemson in the Orange Bowl. A lot of, a lot of really high highs that, you know, younger Tennessee fans like myself had never experienced or at least don't remember experiencing. Now we turn to 2023 where we keep – we have a new quarterback, but we – some things have changed. A lot of things have stayed the same, namely the Josh Heupel offense. How do you want to go about this? I know what I have on our outline. Do you want me to start with the game by game? Do you want me to talk about other predictions I have? Do you want to ask I, questions? I have the season up. If I could, if I could just start out, and I'm gonna skip over the games that I think we are pretty obvious about. I don't think we need to talk about Austin P. I don't. No, let's go through about. every game. Okay, let's go through every um, game, and some of them will just be win or loss. Oh, uh, so so okay. That's what I was trying to say. I, I don't think we need to go in depth on on UTSA or even really UConn for that matter. But well, actually, um, I do, I do think UTSA is worth. But let's jump into it. Uh, okay. Game, game number one in Nashville, Virginia versus Tennessee. Virginia is hot dog water. At least they were last year. Tennessee is breaking in Joe Milton at quarterback, twenty three year old Joe Milton. But it feels like he might be thirty at this point. Tennessee's going to win that game. 
I agree. Tennessee Let, might score 200 points in their first four games. Based off what? Based off the schedule they play. Based off, I mean, did you guys retain linemen from last year? I mean, so like, I, I'll talk about some of this a little more specifically whenever I get into my X factors, but I think we have, I think our wide receiver room this year is more talented than last year. I think. Coming in, Brew McCoy is Brew McCoy. We know what we're going to get. He is a dog. I love me, Brew McCoy. But Ramel Keaton is going to be an X Factor this year. I think he. if you go back and watch him, he had some really big catches against Florida and Alabama that put that kept us in the game and won us the game. Without Cedric Tillman or Jalen Hyatt, he will have opportunity to shine. You have Squirrel White, who is fast as lightning, man. There is some real... There's some serious opportunity for breakaway plays with Squirrel. And then you have Dante Thornton, who's the biggest athletic freak out of all of them, the wide receiver transfer from Oregon. So I feel really good about that wide receiver room. Based on that, and we we also are returning our two our two primary running backs, Jabari Small and Jalen Wright, I think is the second one. I keep I, I always forget his name. But we also have Dylan Sampson, who another just freak fast athletic guy little another way you score points is on special teams i'm a big fan of d our punt returner okay well austin p september 9th when obviously this is this is probably the first questionable one that we'll have of this series yeah i imagine this is like the first quote-unquote controversial one, Tennessee at Florida in the swamp. It's a night game. It's 6 o'clock. This is the same position Kentucky was in last year when they beat Florida. I think Tennessee this year is better than Kentucky last year. I think Florida this year is worse than Florida last year. Anything can happen in this type of game, and there is a sense of you got to get the monkey off your back because you haven't won in the swamp in almost two decades, if not more. But – not only is this a game I think Tennessee wins, I think this is a game that Tennessee wins by two scores, so more than seven points. Yeah, I I agree with you on this. And let, let's talk about Florida for a second, man. That fan base thinks that they're going to come in here and have like an eight or a nine win season. They are awful, man. Poverty. They got they this got is something worse. we agree on. They had one really good position last year, and that was quarterback, and they still like. They could not capitalize on having a really good player at the most important position on the field. And I'm supposed to believe that Graham Mertz is going to beat a Tennessee offense that will probably average 50 points a game through the first half of the season. They, I don't think they could keep up offensively, let alone yeah, defensively. I mean, and I do think we're going to be better defensively. This is something that me and you have agreed on for a long time now. Florida is in trouble. They are. Their whole program as a whole is in a lot of trouble. And when we talk, we joke about poverty programs. Florida is poverty. They are poverty through and through. 100%. UTSA. Is there much to be said here? I, this is going to be like, this is a trap game. Believe it or not. UTSA has been a 10-win team the last two years. They play in Neyland, and I am expecting a win. 
and I'm expecting to score a lot of points. But if you let them hang around, they might hang around a little longer than you like. That's one of those games that it could be like a Georgia and Missouri from last year where you look up and you're like, why, why is it a three-point game? These teams are not the same. But UTSA is better than your casual fan might realize. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think y'all probably blow them out on that. You probably know more about UTSA just because you're worried about them a little bit more than I am. But let's well, I rooted let, for let's, them on and off last year. Like you know, you, you root for some of the G five teams more than others. Let's skip to the game that our that our boy Well season seems to really think that you got you're dreading South Carolina. Who is Well season? You don't remember our our little little Twitter debacle with uh, you get into so many. Well season mentioned Joe Milton. I said you forgot overthrow Joe. He said gonna hang you said gonna hang 60 on South Carolina is my favorite he said hey I've heard this one before yeah well it's happening this year everyone has this game scheduled or circled on their calendar this is a game I have circled on my calendar South Carolina got worse throughout the offseason South Carolina lost a lot of talent at some key positions and the thing with South Carolina is it's going to depend what version of Spencer Rattler you get this game being in Neyland is very big for Tennessee. It is the second SEC game. It is a revenge game. It's also a, the game before our bye week. I like Tennessee to score 60 points in this game. I like Tennessee to pull off like a 63 to 20 type of game. I think do we're you going think, to worse than they beat us last year. Do you think Heupel holds this, this week specifically very, very, very high on his, yes. his new list? Yes. So Hypel, Hypel remembers things. Uh, the reason that I really think he is going to score 60 is because he's not going to take his foot off the gas. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's a lot of argument that can be made that this cost Tennessee not only a Heisman trophy, but a national. It cost a playoff run. spot. Cost yeah. a playoff so spot. So I, I, I'm. You know, we don't agree on everything, but I definitely think we can agree that Tennessee before that game had the best offense in the country. And I wasn't sure that there was a defense that could stop it. Once they had that just shamble, they literally, it was, I mean, after that game, they were in shambles. And it, that it really was such a them. weird game because of the circumstances that surrounded it. There was some off the field, there's off the field rumors yep. about relationships between starting linebacker Jeremy Banks and the quarterbacks, Milton and Hooker, he Banks didn't play that game. But sometimes you just lay an egg. I refuse to believe that one player caused that big of an impact. Rattler. Some people do. Rattler went off that game, and he had he a did. great lat The last two games he had of the season were better than the rest of his SEC play combined. No, arguably the rest of his career combined. Affirmatively, like if you match up his TD to INT ratio and his yardage from the Tennessee and Clemson game, it's better than the rest of his SEC games combined. And South Carolina coming into this game, they could be hungry for a win or they could be rolling over because they start off the year with North Carolina. And I think they've got another game that could be a loss before they come to Neyland. And I'm going to you want to talk about a fan base that has gotten really fucking arrogant, cocky, if you will over an eight and four record it's South Carolina. South Carolina is going to be a six and 16 this year, if not worse. South Carolina could very well 
be one in one in three coming into that game. They've got UNC, they've got Furman, then they've got Georgia, then they've got Mississippi State, then they go to Knoxville. So they, they very well could could be a three loss team coming into Week Five. I think best case scenario, they're three and one, but they would have already played Georgia, which is going to bang you up a bit. I think Mississippi State's going to be better, but this isn't. This is a Tennessee episode. We don't have to spend any more time on South Carolina. All right, on to the next. Let me get it back. Let's go. Ooh, this is a team you've been hot on, Texas A&M. So, to me, this is probably the most pivotal game of the season. This is the game that I think is going to decide if you're going to be a 10-win team or a 9-win team. And that's the difference in a New Year's Six Bowl. That's the difference in maybe playing for a playoff spot. I think A&M is going to be much improved. I think Bobby Petrino, if he's allowed to do what he can do with the offense, is one of the best play callers in the country. But Heupel is 2-0 and coming off the bye week. One of those is beating Alabama last year. And one of those is like a 66-20 to victory over Missouri. This game is in Neyland, coming off a of bye week. Factors point, and, you know, you, history is not always the best indicator of things, but th- those are two very good indicators that Tennessee is going to win this game. Okay. And, and even uh, though I also believe A&M plays Alabama the week before this, I think. So they might be having a big game drop off they do play alabama the week before they're also the week before that they have arkansas the week before that they have auburn so they have a tough tough three-game stretch before they get to you guys i don't know Uh, how big that auburn game is for the aggies i know that them and arkansas has played on a neutral site and it's there's a lot of fanfare to it alabama obviously a very big game there's a real chance they could be suffering from some letdown whenever they come to knoxville and Tennessee's going to be fresh off a of bye. To this point, Tennessee really has not been tested until A&M, though, so it's something to watch. Definitely be a, a fun Saturday in October. Okay, the next game, which is arguably the biggest of the season and will really kind of determine what happens in the future, Tennessee-Alabama, October 21st. Well, let, let me preface this with saying if you beat Texas A&M, even if you lose to Alabama, as long as you take care of business everywhere else, you will be playing Georgia for a chance to go to Atlanta and win the SEC East the last year that it's available. If you beat Alabama, then obviously you're in a very good position to do that, but even if you do lose to Georgia, you're in a position to make the playoff. So similar situation to last year. You go to Tuscaloosa, which, by the way, I think – I think we're that's what it is for me in, in Tuscaloosa makes a huge difference from last year. Here, here's my thing with Alabama. Alabama has a very tough schedule. They have Texas. They have Texas A&M the week before both of those games are circled on both those teams calendar. Ole Miss. I don't know when they play Alabama, but they've got that game circled and then Tennessee as well. There's someone else that Alabama plays. I think Arkansas is probably circling that game. Who is Alabama's cross division this year? Is it Vanderbilt? It is. No, it's Kentucky. Kentucky, yeah. Everyone's going to have Alabama circled. I don't know if that's necessarily a shock or a change up from previous years. However, playing Texas out of conference, I think that had an effect on them last year because that's another game that you have to actually play. You can't just rest up play like a quarter and a half and then throw in your backups. 
Alabama's not going to lose four games. Oh, and LSU. LSU is also coming to stretch before you guys. LSU is also coming to Tuscaloosa at some point this year. Alabama definitely has this game circled because they lost last year, but Tennessee is getting them at the opportune time in both of their schedules. Texas, South Florida, who I think South Florida is going to be a good team. I don't think it's going to – They're not going to touch Alabama. No, 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 and I'm not disagreeing with that, but I don't think it's a game you can just turn the hats off. I don't know if they're going to be good. I think they'll be better than 1-11. Then they've got Texas A&M. Then they've got Arkansas. Then they have Bama. I mean, Tennessee. So they and then they they got LSU the week after that. So you can easily make a case where you know if LSU turns out as well as I think they're going to, you could make the case of well, you know they're they're worried about that week. They're worried, you know, whatever. So I, I it's a tough. The worst the worst thing that can happen to Tennessee is that Alabama loses to Texas A and M, which they very well could because that game's in College Station. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm tentatively going to pick Tennessee to win this game because our offense matches up really well. Alabama is very good at every position. They've got all the talent. They, they, for the first time in a while, I can't tell you a position group that they're elite at. They, We don't know who their quarterback's going to be, and a lot of people are definitely counting it out. I wouldn't count out their quarterback, but it's not Bryce Young, and Bryce Young kept them from losing four games last year. True. Their linebacker core does not have that three-headed dragon that it had last year. Will Anderson's gone. Henry Toa Toa's gone. They, yes, Clark. What was the name you said? Wasn't it Dallas Clark? Dallas Clark was a tight end for the Indianapolis Colts many years ago. Who, who am I thinking of? Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't know the other player's name. But that that wide receiver room again, not elite. They have not been able to develop talent at wide receiver for whatever reason over the last couple of years. And I don't really believe that Jermaine Burton is going to turn into this all SEC caliber player. And then at running back, they don't have Jameer Gibbs. So right now, we don't know what player, if any, is going to emerge as like an elite rusher for that team. So there's Dallas Turner. Of, Dallas Turner. Okay. There's a lot of question marks surrounding it. Tennessee matches up very well. I've told you they've got. I think they have a better wide receiver room this year than they have last year. That defensive line is going to be really solid. Rodney Gardner has gotten everything he's wanted out of all of his defensive lines to this point. You, I'm really interested to see what Arian Carter does at linebacker. I think he's going to get some significant time. The secondary is going to be better. We have a transfer coming in at cornerback. We retain two guys that I think are going to be really solid. I'm hoping to see D get a little bit of playing time just because he's such an athlete. The biggest question I ha- that everyone has other that everyone has is Joe Milton and how he's going to look. But other than that, for me, it's how the offensive line is going to look because we have two holes to plug. If any team is going to be able to take advantage of that other than Georgia, it's Alabama. Tentatively, Tennessee beats Alabama and Tuscaloosa. This series is a series of runs. It's time to go on a run, baby. So on to the next one. Obviously, probably the most, I don't want to say controversial, but it's, it's marked on their calendar for sure. And if everything goes like you're saying it's going to go, it's going to be even more marked on their calendar because they want to bring down the team of greatness, Kentucky. Kentucky would love to play spoiler for this season. But at the the end of the day, Kentucky's arrival, I believe we're going to show up. Man, it's just – it's one of those things. Kentucky has a really hard time beating Tennessee. I know they have Cohen back as their offensive coordinator, and I think that'll help them. I struggle to see them beating Tennessee. 
Can we make the same argument that we've made for other teams that Tennessee has a really tough stretch before that and they might yeah, come you into can, that game a, 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 a little banged up? You can absolutely make that argument. We do have the bye before Texas A&M, which I think is helpful. But Alabama is going to be a bloodbath. There's a very good chance that you could have a, they call it a, a hangover. Tennessee played Kentucky after Alabama last year, did not have a hangover, and it was a bloodbath in Knoxville. Different Tennessee team. So when I really don't know what Devin Leary is going to look like at Kentucky. I know a lot of Kentucky fans are real high on him. I'm not saying he's going to be bad. I don't think he's going to be any worse than Graham Mertz is going to be at Florida. But I just I'm I'm not sold on him. If you if you believe in your heart of hearts that Will Levis was a first round quarterback. And that quarterback went down to the wire against Tennessee in Lexington two years ago and still lost. Are you really going to tell me that Devin Leary is going to beat a better Tennessee squad in his first year in the system while implementing a new offense for everyone else in the system to learn? And keep in mind that Kentucky team had Benny Snell. It had, oh man, what was the name of that wide receiver? Juan Dale Robinson, who bailed out Levis on a lot of stuff. They still don't really have an elite wide receiver, let alone an elite wide receiver group. They got some young guys that are hoping to prove something, but... Until you prove it, you haven't proved it. That's a win. I'm a, I, I'm, I'm a Titans fan, so I completely understand the the hate on on Will Levis. That's a, a trap game, game that a game that you mentioned that you had some comments on. I think it's a guaranteed win. Uh, My so comments were on UTSA. So far, you have Tennessee undefeated, which I think is a little biased. But hey, everybody's got a dream. UConn. I think it's a little biased, but it's. It was possible last year. I mean, look, you, you, you backed it up with facts. So you, you backed it up with you, – you had reasons of why you thought this. We haven't and, even gotten to the delusional part of this episode yet. Okay. Well, we're, we're close. UConn, November 4th. That's a win. I have no comments on this. My comments were on UTSA. UConn was a 6-6 six and six team playing a very poor schedule. They have nowhere near the talent. This game's in Knoxville. It's, it's going to be a nice breather game after – the gauntlet of A&M, Alabama, Kentucky. Okay. Missouri. This is this has potential to be the South Carolina. You know, South Carolina last year was a road game. It was after beating Alabama. It was after the Georgia loss. So we haven't quite gotten there yet. If you do lose this game, you still have hope of beating Georgia and potentially going to Atlanta. But this is the game. Like, of all the games that you should win, this is the one where I'm like, this, this could be – where you trip and fall. I I hope we've learned from last year. I think we're better than last year, but I'll tell you, man, Spencer Rattler was a five-star quarterback for a reason. Spencer Rattler has a lot of talent. Brady Cook does not have that. I don't think, I don't think Eli Drinkwitz, I think Eli's in over his head at Missouri. I think this might be his last year if he doesn't do something on the field. Beating Tennessee would be doing something on the field if all goes how we've predicted to this point. It's a trap game, but I still think that you, at the end of the day, you're going to beat Missouri because South Carolina was talented last year. They did have some bodies, and those bodies happened to show up the last two games of the year. Missouri's only got one body, and that's a wide receiver, a wide receiver with no quarterback. And I think that the last two years, the score to that game has been like 62 to 24 and 66 to 24. Fair enough. Georgia. 18th. This, this is arguably the biggest game of the season. 
if you're undefeated, this is the biggest game of the season. It's the two-time national champion. Even, even if you have one loss, I, I, I think it still might be the biggest game. I mean, the uh, two-loss SEC team doesn't really get in. If you have one loss, no, definitely. It's the battle. If you have one loss, and that one loss is to Alabama in particular or A&M, if you win this game, then you, you have the tiebreaker over Georgia and you go to Atlanta. This It's the last year of the East Division. It means a lot. Like people will tell you, oh, it doesn't mean anything. It, it does mean something. Georgia is a two time defending national champion, and you went into their house last year, and they have not let you stop hearing it ever since. There might not be a bigger crybaby fan base than Georgia. All they do is talk about how people doubt them, how everyone is arrogant coming in against them. Could sit here and talk about that all day. Georgia's going to have a new quarterback. Georgia does not have the offensive coordinator that was able to unlock that stuff last year. Georgia's had a lot of guys over the last two years go to the NFL. They're still going to be really good, but this is the first real road game against anybody that even has a shot against Georgia. I think Kirby Smart's going to have them primed and ready to play, but it's a lot different whenever you haven't gone through that gauntlet yet. So... Let's get let, let, let's get delusional. No, it's a win. We're going okay. to Atlanta. Let's let's get delusional. All right. If you're so sure of it, then let's go to Vanderbilt. Who? What are y'all? Seven and five against them over the last since 2010. We're five lost and a lot five. Of games we're we're six and six and uh, four over the last. I mean, 10. If, if if this isn't a trap game, I don't know what is. It's not a trap game. It's in Knoxville. Vanderbilt's not very good. Vanderbilt's not going to win more than four games this year. Like Tennessee's going to. They've gonna never win. been really good, but they they, they sure. They were good under James Franklin when they got two of their wins. So, win. Tennessee, fifty-six okay. to zero. So you're undefeated in the season, is what you're saying. You're in Atlanta. You're likely playing. Some combination of Alabama, A&M, or LSU. The funny thing is, I think that you conservatively have y'all with one loss. I, I, I really do. I think you oh, conservative. I don't, I don't have us losing more than two games this year. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, it, I believe, it, it I believe we're, I believe we're going to march into Tuscaloosa and win that game. I don't know what happens with A&M in Georgia, but I believe we are going into Tuscaloosa to win that game. This is all marked. Y'all would be the first team to beat Bama back-to-back since Ole Miss, right? Since Georgia? So. Did Georgia play him last year? I was more speaking to regular season, but you, you, you could very well be right. I don't think Georgia beat him last year. That would be a, you know, that'd be a bold season. Yeah. So let, let's assume that you're playing LSU in the SEC championship game. Let's just for giggles assume it. Last year... You went into what I consider to be a pretty much the same LSU team. Went into the trap, took over the trap, kicked their That's ass, so sang Rocky Top in Death so Valley. Cool. Didn't just beat them, beat the shit out of them. Forty to thirteen. I you yeah. have to think you have to think you're going to have a mental edge going into that. You know, was Brian a, Kelly can't win big games. So for for, it was a, gig, for giggles, let's say Tennessee wins the SEC the last year that they have the East West division split. It was a take behind the woodshed like I haven't seen in a long time. And I completely I've never seen that happen to LSU in Death Valley. 
I, I think there's an argument to be made there, but I also think just like you're circling South Carolina, they would circle you. And I don't think you want to be circled by this year's LSU team. Well, just the thing is, they wouldn't circle us until the end of the year. I mean, does it matter when the circle is put? Yeah. All right, moving on. And this is a question that I've really wanted to ask you and kind of go in depth because there, to me, there really is no basis in it. Joe Milton. Joe Milton is going to be a Heisman finalist this year. He's going to throw for 3,500 yards. Can we start off soft. I mean, no. just go right into we, it. We, the schedule was soft. We're, go, we're full tilt. Joe Milton's going to be a Heisman finalist this year. It's going to be him. It's probably going to be Caleb Williams, who is not going to win it because of voter fatigue. Drake May should be in there, but North Carolina could drop a game and they could do some bullshit where he doesn't end up in there. And outside of that, I don't know. There's always someone that comes out of nowhere. But if Joe Milton is the quarterback on a 12-0 Tennessee team, he will be a Heisman finalist in Josh Heupel's offense. He will have, I think, 3,500 yards around 35 touchdowns in between five to seven interceptions. That's Heisman finalist numbers. And by the way, that would be more inefficient than he has been in a Tennessee uniform his entire career as a volunteer because he has 10 touchdowns, zero interceptions, 64% completion rate. And you can argue all you want, but they still had, they still have their first team in whenever we start the second half up 60 to 24 against Missouri and South Carolina. You're setting yourself up for failure using those games for your for your argument. And you maybe, know you are. Maybe, may, maybe, maybe, maybe. However, Hendon Hooker was average at best at Virginia Tech. Hendon Hooker has nowhere near the natural ability of Joe Milton. And I do believe Josh Heupel is a quarterback guru. He was able to get Drew Locke in the Missouri offense to be the number one offense in the SEC. He was able to that get UCF to be the number one offense in the country at UCF. That I agree. If anyone can unlock that potential, it's Heupel. This will be Joe Milton's third year in the system. You have to believe he's completely bought in or he would have transferred out. And people point to that freshman year against Michigan. Players develop. Joe Milton is seasoned. He's 23 years old. He's really a six-year senior. And he played that freshman year for the second half of it with a broken thumb because Harbaugh would not allow him to get surgery on it and shut down his season. He's a team player. He's a great dude. I hope he succeeds. I believe he will. And if you are 12-0 with those numbers, go in especially if you win the SEC championship against LSU, like I just said they would, that's a Heisman winner. I, I agree with you. I, I I don't necessarily know where the confidence comes in because I, I don't think he's proven what you've said. I, I, I do understand what, you, what you're saying. And Hendon, Hendon no Hooker had a really good 2021 year, but I don't think he had proven it to a lot of people until last year when he went out and beat Alabama. When Joe Milton goes and beats Alabama, he will have proven it. I I think then and only then will he have proven it, and I hope he makes it up to that point. As you say, I I I think you are overconfident in what you've actually seen in his game against a depleted Clemson team, South Carolina. The end of that game, I mean, who? I mean, what you don't probably even want to talk about that. And then he he what played Vandy? Other than that, Missouri, something well, like that. Milton played fine against South Carolina. Hidden and Hooker played fine. They put up thirty five points. That is enough to beat most teams any given night. South Carolina just had sixty three points. Joe Milton does not play defense. 
I just think that there's not enough anecdotal evidence to prove the predictions that you have. I think it's a much, I think it's a much wilder take to say that we're going to win the Bolitnikov two years in a row. He's very, he's very good. He's very talented. And I think, I don't think anyone's arguing that. I just, the expectation. He's a better runner. I'm, I hope everyone, I think the biggest, well, he's a better runner than Hendon Hooker is what I meant. Yeah, I mean, but he also has a howitzer hanging off of his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, Bazooka Joe. I'm worried about his footwork. I hope he gets the footwork down in the finesse. Whenever you're throwing and you're having to overcompensate for a broken thumb, you got to break a lot of bad habits. If anyone can break those habits, I have to believe it's Josh Heupel at this point. Yeah, and I mean... It's, I, it's either Josh Heupel or it's Lincoln Riley. There's a lot of reasons to be really excited about him. I'm not denying that. I just, I don't know if if expectations will will concede with reality there. But um, I I touched on this a minute ago, but I think it's much wilder to say that we're going to win the Bolitnikov two years in a row. I think we're definitely talented enough to do it. It's just a matter of, will someone separate themselves the way Jalen Hyatt did? And Hyatt was able to do that because Tillman was injured most of the season. And Hyatt just had the best single receiving game of the season against Alabama. I think Marvin Harrison had one where he might have had more yards, but it was against like some scrub D2 school. Hyatt, what Hyatt did to Alabama last year is unheard of. So on to the the real nitty-gritty here, because there's a lot of people who could make an argument that this is pure overconfidence. And you guys had a great season last season, but it's not fair to group you guys in with a bunch of other teams that, you know, a lot of people make fair arguments that you shouldn't be in because of your previous years. Five-year outlook, University of Tennessee football program. Where In five years from now, what are you looking back at? I mean, I think we're competing for a national championship in five years. I'm looking at the recruiting classes we have coming in. I think we're going to continue to recruit at a high level. And you'll see people like, you know, Florida's got a really high recruiting class this year. I don't know if they'll be able to sustain that every year. Outside of Georgia and Alabama, I I really think we're going to be one of the three best over that time frame, consistently a top 10, top seven recruiting class. Offense is going to get better. The defense will get better. You're starting to see some of those guys come in. Aaron, Arian Carter's playing this year. He is going to have some very significant playing time. People, Someone asked me, who do you think are going to be the two freshmen that have the biggest impact on both sides of the ball? Arian Carter on the defensive side, without question, is going to have an opportunity to make the biggest impact of all freshmen. On the offensive side, wide receiver room stacked. I think Joe Milton is firmly QB1 unless he gets injured, so I'm not going to include Nico in this evaluation. I think Shams on the offensive line has an opportunity to play just because we have a needed offensive line. I don't know how big of an impact he's going to have, but it's it's just that every other position group seems so locked down at this point. Nico, I, I think this is something that everybody wants to hear because obviously coming out of high school, he was very well number one recruiting amongst, class. Yeah, number one. Uh, well, class. and ev- everyone saw everything. You know, he was all over social media. His dad, everybody. What do you expect out of him? Nico's gonna if Nico stays at Tennessee, he's gonna win a Heisman at Tennessee. I don't think he has any incentive to leave. I think, especially if Joe Milton does really takes in Hypel, like you say he's going to, I, I think he would be dumb to watch that and say, I can go do this somewhere else. Well, because so he, I mean, if 
Nico if, is if Joe Milton makes, you know, turns out like you said he is, Heupel might be known as the new quarterback guru. Well, uh, that so would effectively would be, be that would effectively be two transfers that kind of tail spun out at their last place and they come in and they have draft not just draftable season. numbers, Heisman numbers. Yeah, uh, for sure. Have someone like Nico who he's very raw like Milton was coming in, but he's got all the talent in the world. And people say that he's looked really good in spring camp. I don't know how good a freshman can really look on air. If, if he stays all four years, he's a Heisman contender. And Mike Matthews is set to declare tomorrow. It is believed he's going to pick Tennessee. He's a five-star wide receiver. Dude is an athletic freak. Nico to Mike Matthews is going to be something you're going to hear a lot over the next four years if that ends up playing out. One last question on 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 the five year outlook. Five years from now, you're looking back. Would no national championship in that five years be a disappointment? Well, you have to understand the previous fifteen years I've just lived. If we're ten wins every year going to New Year's Six Bowls, I'm going to be pretty content. It took Dabo Sweeney nine years to win his first championship. People have this this crazy idea that if you don't win a national championship, the season was a failure. That's not always the case. I consider our season last year, even though, you know, we scrubbed out against South Carolina and missed the playoff, winning the Orange Bowl is a very successful season compared to what we've been. Going to the College World Series in baseball was a successful season. Going to the Sweet 16 in basketball was a successful season. I think uh, it's really important, like, yes, you want to compete for national championships. Yes, that is the end game. But if you're not enjoying some of the other stuff along the way, it's going to be a miserable life for you. Very yeah, few coaches sure. win multiple national titles. Very few coaches have that sort of sustained success. And you're looking at a potential dynasty in Georgia. You're looking at the – the. it's not the end of the dynasty yet, but Saban's going to retire at some point in Alabama. And then you still have Dabo Sweeney out there competing every year. There is room to break into that discussion, but right now it's really hard to break through. Five years from now, it could be different. We could be talking about the Tennessee dynasty. Who knows? Mullendore is rolling his eyes at that. <laughs> so, as far as the delusional fan thing goes, I think there's a lot of questions that kind of surround this. Is there one game on the on the on the ticket this year that's circled that is a must win, can't let go, go to win? So, I got asked this question on my Twitter from Tval. He helped me moderate some of that space the other day. Definitely give him a follow. But I'm going to look up his name and make sure I've got the right name. So, But the game that I have circled, it's South Carolina. South Carolina is the must win. It is vengeance for last year. It is If you lose that game at home at the beginning of the season, you can forget everything we've talked about today. I don't know. I, I don't know where the season goes if you lose that game, to be quite honest with you. You're probably looking at eight and four, maybe seven and five. It would be... Travesty. Yeah. So CT Vol at Vol stuck in CT. He also asked this question. It's got to be South Carolina. That's yep. it. Yep. Yep. He phrased it a different way. He's like, What game are you guaranteeing a win? I think I can't find it because I've got so many damn notifications for today. I want to go off script a little bit because I, I don't want Oh, no. His question was, who does Hypel run the score up on this season? It's a South Carolina. We're going to score at least 60. We could score 80. I want to go off script a little bit because I, I do think, you know, people watching this will be like, oh, he's been reading from script. These are these are previous 
thought about questions. We have not vetted any of the fan questions other than and, the ones that you sent to me. Well, and, and even these questions we, we haven't even discussed, but I, yeah. I, I do think they're, you know, these types of questions are important for, you know, people who are actually going to games and stuff like that. As someone who lived in Knoxville, well, I also have one more question that it got sent to the Bad Take Blake account before we get to uh-huh. the unvetted ones, and I did look at it. Ian, at Ian underscore UK2K, Kentucky fan, do you believe Tennessee can get on the level of Bama and Georgia consistently? The answer to that is no, because what Saban built at Bama was unprecedented. What Kirby's doing at Georgia largely is because of the resources in Georgia with their in-state talent. Tennessee does not have that same type of in-state talent, and I don't see them being able to go in and lock up Georgia and Florida and like they used to do in the 90s. I think they can compete with them on a year-in and a year-out basis, but whenever you're talking about winning two national championships in a row, which both Alabama and Georgia have done, that's it requires so many things that it is impossible for me to say Yes, they can win like Bama's winning consistently and go six national titles in 12 years or Georgia winning two in five years or two in seven yeah. years. Heard he's been there. You, you, you want to talk about hot takes. Say that your team is going to do what no team has ever done other than that one. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Um, All right. Unvetted questions. Well, I, I want to start with two, and these aren't necessarily questions that the people ask, but they do shake things up a little bit, especially if you're going to be in Knoxville for games. If you're going to eat somewhere on game day, where are you going to go? I'm going to Gus's Good Times Deli every single time, and I can talk about everything on their menu. I went there as a student. RIP the jalapeno poppers, but the cheese beans are still pretty good. If you have never been to Knoxville, cheese beans. I- I will tell you, man, I think Knoxville's food overall is pretty mid. I think Gus's is my favorite because it's like a greasy deli that you can go to after games all the way up until 2 or 3 in the morning after the bars, and they do deliver. But their Reuben is great, their chicken Philly is great, and their chili cheese fries are great. If I'm going somewhere to actually sit down to eat, I am going to Stock and Barrel, and I'm getting the Hurt Lager Burger. It has pimento cheese, fried green tomato. I'm probably getting truffle fries as my sh- side. And I know they've got oh. like, I know they've got like a peanut butter and jelly shake that I might get as dessert, especially after we beat Georgia. All right. This one's gonna be hard for you, especially everyone who's watching this or listening to this follows you on Twitter. I need you to say one nice thing about a rival that Tennessee has. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna impose the same rules that I imposed on other people. It's the most hated rival, which is Alabama. Okay. Blake tried to cop out and say something. Or <laughs> someone tried to cop out. I think Cole tried to say something nice about Auburn. I'm like, no, you gotta say something nice about Mississippi State. Something nice about Alabama. They do have some people on Twitter that I really vibe with. I'm not gonna say their name, but there's one person. God forbid you give them any credit. Well, I don't know if they'd want me to, but I think they listen to the podcast from time to time. Me and her keep up. She's a pretty big Alabama influencer. She's pretty cool. Blake's cool. Like, they've got some cool fans that are fine to interact with. Fair enough. That's good. All right, now we're going to get to the really, really anticipated fan questions, and there's a couple. I'm counting four. So we're going to go through four. 
all four of them, these are none of my questions that all were, right. were asked by me. These are all by, by fans that DM'd, texted, whatever. Some of them are a little hard, so I, I want you to be prepared for I know, this. I know, I know a Vandy fan has one in there. Just start with I this. I want everyone listening to this to know Davis has not heard these questions before, so he's going to have to quote these off the back. The first one, do you think that Tennessee – Knowing what you know about all the other rulings with all of the other sanctions and seasons lost and games forfeited and money paid, do you think Tennessee got a fair shake in the rules or in the sanctions that were imposed on them? What you're really asking is, do I think Tennessee got punished enough? Do I think they got a fair shake? Yes. If you would ask me this on Friday, I would have been telling you, we beat the case. We beat the case. Blake said it's like you guys you got all these sanctions what are you talking about you didn't beat the case you beat a bull ban i'm going back and i like i had to look up everything like everything that is being dinged against us all the recruiting visits we're missing out on all the weeks of recruiting i've talked about how important recruiting is going to be to catch up to alabama and georgia that's huge the largest fine ever given we got a ton of shit and people see like the number of violations all those violations stem from $60,000 of improper benefits, and it's mostly just because our coaches were idiots. Uh, I think we got just as much as we should have gotten. I actually think we probably got a little more. I think the largest fine ever is a little uh, is a little much, but we said that fans don't really see that, so I'll let it slide. I'm I'm a little butthurt about the recruiting. I don't. I'm not hazmat about the scholarships. I think you have to impose that type of thing. I do think if you would have given a bowl band to Tennessee, it would have been preposterous. People gloss over those vacated wins, but it was two years of wins that are just getting swiped from the books. It moves us back in the all And losses. Yeah, and losses. I don't think they scrub losses, but I wish they would. I mean – I made is, I made the joke that the Georgia State loss was vacated. I don't think that it's actually vacated. I think we're just 0-7 and 0-3. And You're just not, you know, I, I think the big argument there would be these are not detrimental seasons that were, were vacated. Versus no, I mean, it, it, it was not like a Final Four run like Memphis suffered or a championship, championship. like Louisville suffered. Championship run. Well, Louisville won theirs, but whatever. It wasn't like a Sugar Bowl win, like Ole Miss, I think, got vacated. I don't even know if they got the, any wins vacated. I think they did. I don't quite remember. But So it was fair, is what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, I think a bowl ban would have been ridiculously unfair. I, I actually think it was unfair. I think we got too much. Okay. All right, let's, let's, let's go to the next one. This is a little long, but I think it's very important that every single word in this is, is – I already really know good. who wrote this fucking piece of shit question. Tennessee has one double-digit win season in the last 15 years, less than Kentucky, Missouri, and South Carolina, and a 5-5 five and five record against Vanderbilt over the last decade. It's six Why should college football fans consider Tennessee as anything more than a glorified mid-major? Well, I'm going to tell you, we Tennessee's a blue blood, and it is a, B, a blue with a capital B Blood, capital B-L-O-O-D. The only one without a record to prove it, but yeah, keep going. We are top 11 all-time program. If you want to include Nebraska as a blue blood, you have to include Tennessee. We have six national championships. We have all these draft picks, all these Hall of Fame 
level NFL quality guys, all these Hall of Fame college level guys. We took a nap for 15 years and we still have the second highest win percentage in the SEC. We built the SEC. The SEC was founded in Knoxville, Tennessee. Alabama and Tennessee are the tent poles that uphold the SEC. And just because the sleeping dog was laid down for a little while, we are back. We are coming fast and fierce. And don't you worry. Why should people? Don't worry about the past. We're coming again. We are going to be – all these people that write these questions are between the ages of 25 and 30. They don't remember. But, you know, 19, you, 1998 wasn't that long ago. Do you remember that well? I remember some things. I don't, I don't have the time or the mental bandwidth to – I remember to some things. On this, so let's, you, you guys should stop worrying about arguing that because, I mean, first off, we are a blue blood without question. Second off, if we're not, we will be again soon. Didn't Memphis beat y'all that year? Was it 98 or 96? No, it was, it was 96. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. First first game I ever went to. Memphis has more wins against Arkansas than they do against Tennessee. Memphis has three wins against Arkansas. Tennessee is replacing a Heisman contender quarterback and one of the best wide receivers statistically in school history, and they're losing scholarships. Why are Tennessee fans so convinced that the Vols are back this year when they lost two of their biggest contributors, scholarships, and have no recent sustained success? I'm going to address the scholarship thing first. The scholarship thing didn't just get dropped on us. We were already self-imposing scholarship losses. We've been planning for it. Fair enough. Well, we all, we already have imposed. Like last year, we were down some scholarships. The year before, we were down some scholarships. I actually think we're down less scholarships now than we were previously because I think we had 28 that we ended up total being docked. We've already accounted for 14 of those or 16 of those. It is, it so, is easier to navigate punishment when you know what it is. I, I think that's yeah, what yeah. you're trying to make. So, so well, I think it's a, about two, maybe three a year. That's actually more scholarships than we would have had the last two years on our self-imposed sanctions. So you can completely remove that from the equation. We already addressed the Joe Milton thing. Josh Heupel's a QB whisperer. Joe Milton has all the talent in the world. And we kind of addressed the Hyatt thing. Hyatt and Cedric Tillman were two very good receivers. I think the Tennessee wide receiver room is going to be better this year than it was last year. Ramel Keaton has been a two-year starter now, going to be going on his third year. Brew McCoy, a second-year starter in the Tennessee system, but a third-year starter if you want to include his time at USC. Both of them are going to be really good. They're going to anchor that thing. I think that group, Squirrel White, is just as fast, if not faster, than Jalen Hyatt. Big play potential. And Dante Thornton is an athletic freak. If you go watch his highlights, man, I'm so – people are not talking about Dante Thornton. I am so excited to watch him play. I want, If I can do this ideally, I would put Squirrel and Ramel on one side of the ball and Brew and Dante on the other. Two fast as lightning, big play guys. Two tough, solid-blocking, athletic freaks that can bust big plays. I think that's a good answer. I have one more, and it's more of a parody question. It's not going to take a long answer. I know we've ran a little bit long here. If Tennessee flops this year, which they very well could, I know you have high hopes for them, but if they flop this year, they lose you know, three, four games, will you have this same confidence going into the year after this? Uh, yes, because I think Nico is going to be better than Joe Milton no matter what Joe Milton does this year. And I think Tennessee is recruiting at a high enough level as long as I'm and 
three or four losses being a flop is fucking absurd. We won 11 games last year. We lost our quarterback, as you said. We lost a Bolitnikov winning wide receiver, as you said. And eight and four is still tied for like the best regular season record since the 2007 SEC championship run. Other, if you exclude 2022. So to call that a flop, I think is a misnomer. Is it a step back? Yeah. But is it detrimental to the future? No. Okay. Well, that's all I got. Let me check my notes real quick. I think I've got... I have two bits of other news before we wrap up. Pat Fitzgerald fired from Northwestern. This is a topic worth talking about, and we might talk about it a little bit more in depth at some point in the future, but he had 17 years of goodwill, generally seen as a good guy. We are seeing Danny Cannell and Darren Rovell defend him on Twitter in the face of some pretty... I mean, I nobody's life was in danger by these hazing allegations, but it's still not good that they're coming out. No, it's not. Did he deserve to be fired? I don't know. I think Northwestern... Northwestern was originally going to suspend him, and then... <laughs> The Northwestern student-run newspaper dropped it, and they saw the, the public reaction. Yeah, and, and I think they kind of lived off that hype for a little bit. I also think that the guy who was kind of their quote guy on this, I believe he was a player that was on the team for two years and then lost his scholarship. So that does – there is something that needs to be said about the – Credibility. Uh, Credibility and on honestly, it, was he being vindictive? I think that's something that people should really. I'm consider. not. I'm not going to speak on that part of it because I don't know. I think there was more than one player, but I do think whenever you have 17 years and everyone generally has a high opinion of you, that at some point that's that I feel like that has to bode well, or it should at least. What you would say? What happened in the Northwestern locker room? happens at every power five school it likely happens at every d1 d2 d3 school and i don't In i don't mean this way yeah i, I don't I mean don't the specifics know. of that i mean there is yeah. some okay. some rite of passage some ritual some by the definition of everybody in america that loves to suck joy hazing, hazing yeah and let, let I, me be I clear some, some hazing is terrible it should never be oh. allowed but everything has come under this umbrella of hazing sweeping up your locker room has a freshman to make sure it's clean or washing the the jerseys the first week of camp is considered hazing but i don't i think you'd be hard pressed to tell me that that is quote unquote bad exactly what has happened at northwestern has caused a team meeting at every single power five school for sure probably everyone d1 school i guarantee the next day Dabba sweeney kirby smart nick saban jim harbaugh had a long conversation. Well, they probably had staff meetings followed by team and personnel meetings to say, whatever this is, squash it. Georgia specifically definitely had some meetings about that because they've had some off-the-field stuff already. Yeah. If Pat Fitzgerald can be fired for this, and again, I'm not saying what happened there was okay, but nobody's life was in danger from the reports that we've read. If Pat Fitzgerald can lose 17 years of credibility and goodwill – yeah, I don't care who you are. Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Davo Sweeney. Anybody. Multiple yeah. national titles. Hey, it could For be sure. 
What else? Last bit of news, the Big 12 expansion appears to be happening. More reports are coming out about Colorado making the move, although Colorado themselves have not confirmed it. And then there's also talk of UConn potentially joining. I think both of those would be good additions by the by the Big 12. I think Colorado would really thrive. They would have the potential to come in with Deion Sanders, essentially rebrand themselves when there's no top dog. I think UConn, I would I would be upset to see UConn go there from a basketball perspective because I feel like they fit the Big East so nicely. But from a football perspective, you know, Jim Morris says our goal is to win a national championship. You're not going to do that as an independent. Do you think they're putting – It's a It's a good economic move for both for sure. It's hard for me to not think that they're kind of putting – all of their eggs in one basket was specifically Colorado. I, I and that's Deion Sanders, really. I, I, how you know, if he turns out bad, that's a horrible ad. It's a horrible ad. Uh, if he turns out great, it's awesome. Obviously, their basketball team's not worth shit, but still, I mean, they're, they're Denver's a big market. A lot of people would watch that if they're good. And and if you disagree with me, look at their attendance the last five. Years. Well, th- that's what I that's what I want to speak on. Even if they're bad, Dion still gets recruits, which will end up winning just shitty games anyway. So they'll be more than the two-win team that they were – or one-win team they were last year. That's So they will improve. But they had a sold-out spring game to watch Dion Sanders. If you're still selling out games and you're four and eight and there's well, nobody yeah, else on no. the market, there's nobody else right. on the market, it might be worth just keeping Dion. I agree. I mean, that's not a bad argument. I, I think the fans will have a little bit of a problem with that, especially as the years. I don't think on. there's a longevity argument to that. I think in the short term, there's an argument, but eight years down the road, that's not going to work. For sure. For sure. Anything else? No, that's all I got. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Tennessee episode of Bad Take Blake. Please follow us on Twitter at Bad Take Blake underscore. Follow us on Instagram at Bad Take Blake. Follow us on YouTube at Bad Take Blake. And for the love of God, please like, subscribe, and rate us. A bunch Do something. Of, a bunch of Southern Miss fans, and I say a bunch, it was two Southern Miss fans gave us one star on Apple and I think on Spotify, but we have more reviews on Spotify. Because we have so little reviews, it just skews everything. And they were butthurt because Tennessee won their Super Regional. Hattiesburg, of which I am the mayor, is thriving <laughs> it, since my administration. And if you would like to help this podcast grow – a five-star rating. You don't even have to leave a comment. A five-star rating, it takes you five seconds. All you need. Just click it and follow us for more episodes. Thank you guys so much tuning in. If you like what we said, you know, follow us on our personal accounts. If you're listening to this, you probably already do. Please interact with us so that we can get more fan questions for the season. Stay tuned for the college football preview show on Saturdays and potentially stay tuned for our weekly Bad Take Blake call-in show. Thanks, guys. I really enjoyed this one, and I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to football season. we got a lot of good stuff coming.